The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Good morning, everybody. Man, it is the rhythms of fall. How many guys love getting back into some of those rhythms of fall and all that stuff? How many guys go, where did summer go? It's already gone. I'm sad. So, yeah, I feel that too. Um, I do want to make mention that you, you may have seen my wife Heather in the lobby earlier, and I want to say thank you for not putting her in a headlock. Um, it's gonna, for some of you, when you walk out in the lobby later and you see her, you're going to want to do that. Just don't, okay? So let's extend grace to people that wear Broncos jerseys on a Sunday. Um, I know. I know, I'm as angry as anyone. So, in fact, I hit up one of my neighbors, I said, my wife needs a new place to live. And um, so, we're still, still kind of working out the kinks, but we'll get it, we'll get it figured out. So, anyways. Um, hey, if you're looking for a spot in scripture to land today, uh, we'll be in Acts chapter two, towards the end of it, uh, towards the end of Acts chapter two here. In just a few moments, I got some other verses I'm gonna mention. But uh, I think most of us are well aware that it's been a pretty wild ride the last two and a half years of life as you think about all that's gone on from, you know, February, March of 2020 all the way to today. And um, what, what has emerged is, is a new world in a lot of ways. And I think we, we, we feel that. And some of the negative that we've experienced, I think, has been life-altering. Um, it's hard. And, and, and if, if what's personally surfaced is concerning to you, um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Now, I say that cautiously, but, but here's kind of what I mean. Um, it's like some of what we've experienced are like the lights on a dashboard of a car. There's indicators that something's not quite as it should be. And the idea there for some of you that drive vehicles and you see those lights is it's not to add color to your dash and go, that's so pretty. Um, it's, uh, it's meant to be like, oh, I better address an issue. You know, it's, it's overheating or I need to go get gas or there's not enough oil or whatever it might be. Um, but I, I say it because I think in a, in a lot of ways you look at where we've been, and one of the words that, that gets thrown around is the isolation, and, and I think we, we felt some of that isolation, but here's what I mean when we talk about isolation and, and the warning lights coming on in our hearts. Let me, let me just give you just a simple list, uh, but maybe you've noticed yourself more recently feeling uneasy in an ongoing way that maybe didn't used to be as it is now. Maybe you've been hurt and you don't know what to do with it. What you found is that people that you know, loved, or whatever, responded in certain ways or conversations that were had or you, you were in two different spots in the conversation and didn't necessarily agree, but because of it, it's more than just not agreeing. Maybe there's even a rift and you feel that and you're not even sure, like, what do I do with it? Like, we just don't talk anymore. We don't, whatever, there's more distance or whatever, and so you're not sure there. Maybe, maybe you're disappointed at how things have changed. Maybe what you hear today is like, this is a new normal, and what you go is, I just want the old normal. And, and I know, honestly, the truth is, while some things may feel similar to how they were, it won't ever be as it was. And there's a certain grief that you feel, that we feel in that, and you're not sure even what to do with it, but you're disappointed at how things have changed. Maybe what you feel is you're scared of what's coming. You, you feel, but, but it's more of like, where are we even going with, with this whole thing or this world or whatever the topic might be? And there's multiple layers to it. That's a conversation. Or, or maybe on a more personal level, you find yourself surprised at how you've responded. Maybe it was a choice to respond a certain way, or maybe you just found yourself responding in a certain way, and you feel this, wow, I didn't know that was even in there. Um, and, and, and there 
you are. And because you're not a human mechanic, you don't know what to do with those lights that have shown up on your dashboard. And so you kind of go, well, maybe they'll just go away. But similar to a car, those lights aren't meant to go away until you address what's going on. And that's the challenge that, that you know, we sort of feel. Um, for so many, the concerns of the last couple of years have caused us to turn inward. And so it's not just this word isolation that we hear, but, but maybe it's even caused us to turn inward and life has more and more become more about, you know, myself and my own and my world and everything out there can just do whatever it does, but I'm gonna kind of circle my personal wagons and I'm gonna exist kind of like this because again, that's sort of a, a psychological safety mechanism. I can't control that out there, but what I can control is here and I'm gonna control it by just dealing with here and out there is what it is and, and that's kind of what we do. Um, the tension, though, that if you're a follower of Christ, which many of us in here would say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I, I want to you know, live life. The, the tension that we feel, though, is this. We were made for community. That's not newsflash for anybody, that we were made for community. And I will say this, I'm all about protecting individuals. I'm all about, um, you know, in certain seasons, what can we do to protect people that are vulnerable? And of course, as we look back on a couple of years now, and I know you go, I don't really want to do this, but you look back on a couple of years now, and, and, and we didn't, there was a lot of things we didn't know. And so the whole conversation became, what do we do to protect and what we do to step back and, and be cautious and, and, and help and love others and not just make it about, you know, kind of us and, and our stuff. But what happens is this, what was a temporary coping mechanism becomes a way of life. And, and, and now what's happened is your world with your pets and your phone and computer and your TV and, and you know, those things that are yours is, has become more engulfing than it should be. And that's your whole community. And, and now you spend an, an, an inordinate amount of time with those things and everything else gets shut out. In fact, I would say it this way, some of you love your pets so much that I'll never get a shot in your life. And that's, you know, um, that can be painful. By the way, my notes originally said cat, but some of you guys go, he hates cats. And that's, you know, so and I don't hate cats, by the way, just a newsflash, don't bring me one, but I don't hate, um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't hate cats. Um, the way that, as I was thinking about it for this message, the way that I've, I've thought about it is this. What's happened is a lot of people have learned to exist in a state of functional isolation. They exist, but they can't necessarily thrive that way. I really believe that we thrive when we live in community the way that God intends us to live. And, and I would, again, go back to what do we understand about how God designed our lives? Yes, to live in community, but think about some of these words. And again, I'll get to Acts 2 here in a few moments, but think about some of these words. The writer of Hebrews says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up the meeting together, but the encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so the writer of Hebrews here, by the way, to be specific, isn't you know, getting, getting into the detail about certain things that happen in life that cause us to step back. But in general, what happens is what I'm talking about. We go through certain things and it causes the coping mechanism to sort of circle the wagons and keep everything else at a distance. And that's how we exist. And the writer of Hebrews says, don't do that. There's something unhealthy about doing that. You've got to continue to fight to live in community because otherwise it's not healthy. That's where he says, as, as you're in the habit 
of doing. We make a habit of, of writing off or stepping back from real community. Another question, how do we function as the body of Christ if we are the body of Christ and we're in isolation? Paul is the one who wrote about that idea. Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 both paint that picture. Let me give you a few verses. It says in Romans 12, and again, I just picked a couple verses here, but it says in verses four and five, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members don't all have the same function, so we who are in Christ form one body, and then this is the catch, and each member belongs to all the others. Okay, that's what Paul says in Romans. He gives even more detail when he writes to the church at Corinth. So in 1 Corinthians 12, in verse, uh, starting at verse 12, he says, and again, there's more to it, but he says, just as a body, the one has many parts, but, uh, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Okay, Paul goes on to explain that we, listen to this, we can't think that we're healthy and assume we don't need each other. We cannot think we are healthy and assume we don't need each other, okay? The body needs eyes and ears and elbows and waists and livers and hearts and all the stuff. That's the idea Paul is even the picture that Paul paints for you and I as the body of Christ. And he says the whole body needs each other. He goes on in an absurd way to say, if the whole body were an eye, that'd be weird. Think Monsters, Inc., you know, Mike and Sully, you know, the big green eye. That, that, that's not right. Like, you'd freak out if somebody walked in, they look like that, like, oh, okay, that's, I'm out of here, you know. Um, that, that's his idea. It's that absurd, okay? And that's where he goes on. He says it this way in 1 Corinthians. I'm fast-forwarding, chapter 12, verse 24. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So there, there's these different, and again, I've, I've chosen just a few chunks of verses, but over and over in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, it's, it's replete with examples of this together idea. And Acts chapter 2 gives us a real clear picture. And by the way, if you know scripture at all, the book of Acts is really the description of the activity of the first century church, the original, the beginning of the church. And I love how you got Acts 1 and Jesus ascends to heaven and the disciples are like, wow, this is crazy. And he says, go pray. And they pray. And in Acts chapter 2, it says that's where Jesus had promised the Holy Spirit would come and fill the believers. And so there's this moment where the Holy Spirit comes and, and fills the place and they're filled with power. And it's amazing and awesome. Peter stands up, preaches an incredible message, goes all the way from Old Covenant and Moses and all these things to Jesus and, and what's happened. And it says that the whole crowd that was listening, they, they were cut to the heart and said, what do we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized and take these steps. And, and I love it. But then at the very end, here's what I love about Acts chapter two, Luke, who wrote Acts, Luke at the end of chapter two, pulls back from the details of what's going on and kind of gives a us a 35,000 foot view of the church. And this is what I want to read to you as our main text. Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship 
to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. <clears throat> Jesus, today uh, we, we pray for you to um, help us see, help, help us step back in this picture that Luke provides for us and help us see what's going on here and why this matters today. God, I pray for your convicting work. I pray for uh, us to, to settle and deal with things we're confronted by that are maybe excuses to this conversation, that Father, we walk out with a fresh commitment to what you want to do and how you want us to live based on what we see here. In Jesus' name, amen. If you look at, again, a simple paragraph here, a few, a few verses, six verses, but if you look at what's going on here, um, it, it's teeming with together language. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Again, you, you, you see it. It's, it's they were doing this together. They, they were in um, fellowship. I love here, if you've been part of the Grove Church for any length of time, before we had the kids' wing where it is, it's where there's now a weird gravel parking lot. And we'll get to that here in a little bit and why that's there. But we used to have this place, and it was called the Fellowship Hall. Anybody remember this? Okay, the fellowship hall was this giant room where we could gather a whole bunch of people to have what we would call fellowship. Okay, and, and I remember I got married here. My reception was in there and it had the worst carpet on the whole planet. Okay, it's as ugly as it gets. And somebody uh, that, that I don't know, delusional or whatever, went, that's beautiful carpet. Let's do that in there uh, in, in 1979. But anyways, um, it was the fellowship hall and that big events and, and, and young people gathered or adults gathered or seniors or kids or whatever over and over and over, over decades, it was the fellowship hall. Okay, why do I say that? Just for fun. Anyway, but, but it says that specifically, they together devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, similar to kind of moments like this where we're walking through scripture together and to fellowship. It says to the breaking of bread and to prayer, which twofold here, the idea of the, the breaking of bread and communion, but also the idea of, of eating together. And he's gonna talk about that here in a moment, but it says, and to prayer. It says everyone, okay, there's this idea of the, the, the group, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And as, as the book of Acts continues, you see certain moments where people were prayed for and they were healing and, and deliverance and, and certain miracles, which we still believe today and we still see God do amazing things today as we pray. But it says, verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. There's an incredible unity going on here that's a beautiful picture. And I'm gonna talk about why that's important here in a few moments. It says, they sold property, they, and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And you look at this and, and, and you go, well, wait a minute, is this like communal living? What is this? You know, um, and, and I would encourage you with this, as a church, we see all the time, there are people that, they, there's people in our church that have had garage sales and said, hey, everything that we sell, we're going to take, we're going to give because there's certain people in the church that, that, that have need and, and we have an account that we set aside to help people that are struggling. And we have people that have done that. We have, you know, for some of you, you go, I, I make enough money, there's some margin 
margin here, and I'm able to give towards that account to help people that are struggling and some of those stories. We've had people sell stock and, and, and give to, to make certain things happen. Over and over, there, there's this picture, just like you see in Acts uh, 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I love that that happens here at the Grove Church. I love hearing those stories, and, and most of us at certain points along the way if we've been here for a length of time, have done that very same thing. Certain ways we've carved out in order to be generous to help people that are struggling. It goes on to say, every day they continued to meet, here it is, together in the temple courts. Remember the, the, the picture of the temple and the place where the, the Jews would come and worship and Old Covenant and stuff, but it says they would meet in, in a certain outer place at the temple, but they would meet to, to be encouraged together. They would meet and the apostles, there'd be teaching, it'd be amazing, and that's what they would do. It wasn't the inner place where, where you know, the Jews would only meet, but it was the outer area where they would gather to encourage and sharpen one another. And then it says they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Once again, as I talk about this, and maybe you see on the announcement video, and maybe you're relatively new to Grove and you're not super familiar, but I love how this fall, Jen Irvig has worked hard. She's our Connections pastor. She's worked hard, along with a couple of others of our team, worked hard to develop life groups because coming out of a pandemic, we didn't have enough groups. We have people trying, and maybe you're one of those, trying to get into a life group going, there's not room, they're full, I don't know what to do. And so we worked hard over the last six months. I said, Jen, man, by this fall, we really got to figure out how to solve that challenge because we want people to be connected. We need to exist in community. And so this fall, I'm super proud to announce that we have 25 life groups launching here uh, at the beginning of next month. And, and I say that, yeah. And I would give, thank God for Jen and, and, and for some of you that are stepping up to lead life groups and stuff. I love that. But if you want to get connected, I want to challenge you while you can show up here and be encouraged together in a large group. This isn't really where community is built. We all know when you turn around and say hi to somebody and say, hi, my name's so-and-so, whatever, that's not really community. But why we value life groups so much is because we have individuals that are going to lead groups all over our county on different nights, most of them and evenings during the week, uh, to, to meet and to encourage one another and to be sharpened together. That's that idea, as you see Paul writes, hey, they met together at, in the courts of the temple, but they also met in their homes and broke bread together. There's all kinds of really cool stories, and I'm looking at some of you going, you're, you're part of this, um, where people come and, and they'll do a dessert night or they'll do a, a themed dinner night or whatever. You don't have to get crazy about it, but there's like taco night, like a thousand people show up or, you know, whatever. Um, okay. Not that. But honestly, like groups, that they'll eat together and they'll walk through scripture together and pray together and, and, and stuff like that. And I love that. That's that picture of they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And it says they're praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. I'm going to come back in a moment to verse 47 and this picture that's painted that's, that's meant to be compelling, that's meant to be an incredible you know, snapshot of God's grace. It says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I, I know that, that we talk about this and you probably get tired of it and there are mo moments where you go, he's saying it again, but the idea that we don't just exist, again, to circle the wagons, to, to sort of play church. I, was, I love how I was talking to a, a couple from the church out in the community. We were grabbing lunch and I saw them and we were chatting at their table and, and the, the, the gal made a joke about, hey, when are you gonna embroider my name in my seat on Sundays? And she was making the joke because over the years, there have been certain moments where we've had people walk in and see somebody that was in their seat and go, oh, that's my seat. And I just want to remind you, none of your names are embroidered on any of these seats because none of these seats are your seats. So please don't ever do that because somebody who's new is like, oh, I'm so sorry. Don't do that to them. <laughs> 
You don't get your seat. If you sit in the same place every time, that's not my fault, but it's not yours. And if you come in with a sewing kit and try to embroider your name, I'm going to rip that chair out. Anyway, so, okay. <laughs> you went too far. I know, I always do. Okay, so, but uh, anyway, um, I love how it specifically says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We, we talk about in our own language, in our code, we talk about core values, our code, that we don't exist for us. That we are the church, we exist for the world. We talk all the time, and this is the same code, we give up things we love for things we love even more. That we want to be about making room for people that aren't part of the family yet. Can I hear an amen? It, it, it's why we submitted our stuff to the city like a week and a half ago now. What, what are you even talking about? I'm talking about the fact that for years we faced this tension of we had one gathering and then we had two, then we had three, then we had four, then we had five, and it was insane and stuff. COVID hits and things kind of change and stuff. But here we are, and we have three gatherings right now, but we're like, man, what do we do to make room? So we already had plans for years. Ten years ago we wanted to build. Some of you know this. Ten years ago, we're like, hey, what do we do? We had property up north and all that. We were selling it. We're finally at the place where we submit to the city. We moved the kids' wing partly because we could double our square footage for kids, which we would need to do, but also because we were going to demo that wing. We finally did that last year in preparation to build a new auditorium that will be twice the size so we can invite more people to become part of this family with us. And so it's, it's this, yeah. It's this journey of going, what does it mean to look outside of this is the club where we gather? This is the group where we circle the wagons and play church. That's not why we exist. And this beautiful picture painted of how the church exists is meant to compel people to go, how do I join that? I want that kind of hope. How do I join that? I want that kind of grace. How do I join that? I want to be cared for like that. And so even as we talk about for you and I, we thrive when we exist in community appropriately. This is that picture. And the language over these six verses, I already said, is teeming with together. In this together. There's nothing about these verses that is isolated. And because they were in this together, they were committed to each other. Listen to that. They cared deeply for each other. They wanted to learn the way of Jesus constantly. And what was the effect? I'm not overplaying it to say it this way. The effect was it changed the world all the way to today. The way this group existed, remember, this is the beginning of the church. This is the birth of the church. Acts chapter 2 is literally like the day of, of, of the birth of the church. And it's an amazing picture. But that picture, in effect, that compelling nature of what happened through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the surrender to God's design for community, was so compelling that people went, what do I do to be a part of this? Remember, Peter preaches the sermon in Acts about what Jesus has done, and what do they say? They were cut to the heart and go, what do we do to be saved? What do we do to find forgiveness? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. And it says in that moment, 3,000 were added that day. 3,000 people went, that's where I find hope, I want it. That's where I find grace, I want it. And then this, these verses right here are what comes up. This was them existing together. Now, why do I make such a big deal out of it? I make a big deal out of it because what comes up in a lot of people's hearts is, but I can't. And I want to address this, and this isn't an end-all list of, of the reasons why we say we can't, but, but some of them are kind of simple, and I want to address them like this. The first one is, well, look, I don't have time to do that. 
And I know in some of our lives, you look at the schedule and the appointments and the details and the career and the kids and all this stuff, and you go, I don't really have time. And on one hand, it's a valid reason sometimes. But that can't always be the reason you can exist in Christ-centered community. Otherwise, something is wrong. The other side of the coin is this. Oftentimes, I don't have time is a smokescreen for I don't want to. Anybody ever heard of a smartphone before? <laughs> I'm curious, if you were to open your phone and show your neighbor, I'm not going to ask you to, hey, look at my screen time this week, what would show up? How many minutes do you spend scrolling on any given day? And some of you guys go, minutes? It's like hours. <laughs> and if it's not screen time on a phone, maybe it's a computer and you scroll and watch YouTube videos and scroll and watch Facebook videos and scroll and watch Instagram and scroll and go on TikTok, all this stuff. You go, I do that for my phone. Some of, it's, some of you, it's, it's your TV at home and you got all these connections on the internet and you're doing the Netflix thing and you're sitting there and you're gonna watch a show. But here's how easy it is to watch a show. <laughs> and when the show ends, what happens? If you do nothing, Within eight seconds, is it? It counts down to the next episode. So here's how easy it is. And hours and hours into it, you've watched two seasons of a show in an entire day. And you deserve an award of some sort. And little did you know, when you finished all the episodes of all the seasons of all that show, it goes, oh, you like this? You'll love some of these. And if you continue to sit there, and if you even just go, you're in a whole new show. It's like a miracle of modern technology. We have, well, I need time to unwind. How much time to unwind do you need? I could bring up a show and you're like, I've watched all of them. Oh, well, what about this one? That one too. The reason I say it is, listen, it's amazing how we will make time for what matters. Or we'll make time for what's easy. It's really easy to realize we just spent an hour scrolling. Wow, that was an hour? It's real easy to spend hours online or watching shows and binging things. One of the plagues of our world is entertainment is so easy that that's where we spend our energy accidentally. And so here's the catch on, on this one where we say, I don't have time. Only you can answer if that's really true or not. I can't. I'm not going to sit down and look at your schedule 24-7 for the next two months and go, well, here you go. And here's what I also think. As you and I live with the Holy Spirit inside of us, there are some of you right now that you know the Holy Spirit's going, he's talking to you that it really is in some ways that simple. The Holy Spirit is saying, you're making an excuse. I'm not saying that to shame you. I'm saying that to challenge you. You can't, I'm telling you, you cannot thrive in isolation the way God intended. You can thrive in isolation, but I'm successful. You can thrive in isolation, but I don't get hurt anymore. 
You can thrive in isolation in all kinds of ways, but the way God intends for you and I to thrive is connected to community. So we say, I don't, I don't have time. Or you say, well, I, I've had a bad experience with people. You're like, back to my cat, you know, whatever. Okay, I said it, you're welcome. But, but what we do, we, we go, I've had a bad experience with people. Well, I was in a life group once. Or here, let, let, let's get down to some of the brass tacks of the last two and a half years. I've been hurt by people that I didn't know would hurt me. That's what's happened for you. you, you you've had relationships with individuals, and the way things have shaken out, literally, you feel it, the shaking, right? The way things have shaken out, there are people that didn't agree with where you stood, or you didn't agree with where they stood, and all of a sudden, the conversation, you know, hit, hit some, some bumps, and now there's this wall, there's arm's length, and you feel the hurt. And you, you're not sure how to handle that. And so what happens is, well, if I'm going to get hurt like that, it's easier just to not let people in that way. And so when I say you can only thrive in community, you literally sit there puzzled like, what's my excuse? I need an excuse because I've been hurt and I don't like it. I'm not trying to make light of the hurts that we experience. And I'm not immune to it either, just so we're clear. But here's the thing. If we together lived by that excuse, I've been hurt, therefore I keep people at arm's length, nobody would have community with anybody. Because every one of us gets hurt. Every one of us experiences the pain of, of the sting of betrayal or the, the disagreement that wasn't settled in a healthy way and it's just an arm's length thing. We all experience it. And so it would be easy for every one of us to write off everyone else. And that, that's not what God intended. And so I want to challenge you with this one in a huge way because we have bad experiences with people. But I genuinely believe that here's a couple simple things I want to challenge you towards when I say this. And some of you need to write it down. Some of you need to put it in your notes in your phone because you don't have anything to write with. What you need to do is invite the Holy Spirit, God, you know this hurt, and I don't know what to do with it. Would you come into my world with this? You need to invite the Holy Spirit to, to work, to reveal. You need to feel what you feel. And we're not great at that. We medicate with all the, the Netflix, the food, the whatever, the escapism, the busyness. And you, you got to sit and feel, and that sucks sometimes. But as you sit and feel in the midst of inviting the Holy Spirit... I genuinely believe that's when you open up the window to God healing some things. And there are times where you're, you're in those moments compelled and led to, to looking for a Christian counselor to help you process, which I believe wholeheartedly in. And some of you need to make those calls. If, if that's you and you have a need like that, if you would reach out to us, we actually have a list of, of counselors that, that we've vetted and we go, hey, here, call, make some calls, set up some appointments, take some steps, because that's healthy. Some of you need to find some people that you, you believe you can trust, that you know. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a decent friend. Maybe it's somebody you're getting to know. But it's conversations even just casually about what's going on. And some of you, as, as you, my hope and my prayer would be, you open yourself up to what we call life groups, that you begin to meet and, and, and have conversations and stuff like that. But even as things like prayer comes up in those groups, or hey, we want to you know, pray for each other for a few moments, or I want to pray for you, that you could say, hey, you know what? Something Pastor Nick mentioned, could you just pray for me? You don't have to get specific. You don't have to talk about all the details and share all the whatever stuff and people. But just I could use some prayer. 
I genuinely believe that God wants to heal that in you. So you can never have as a reason that you won't live in community, I've been hurt. It sucks, I, I totally agree. A friend of mine that I don't know super well at this point, we've been in cohorts together as pastors and he lives on the you know, other side of the nation and stuff, but we've been in contact here and there. Um, but I, I catch sometimes what he, what he posts on Instagram. His name is Greg Ford. And like I said, he's a pastor. He, he said this, I, I just stumbled upon this as I, as I put my notes together. And, and I was thinking, man, God, how fitting what he just said. And so listen to this. This is literally word for word something he posted last week at some point. You have to reject the lie that you're safer alone. Just because you have never experienced life-giving, connected relationships doesn't mean it can't or won't happen. If you allow God to heal you, what will emerge is hope. Even though it's not familiar to you and you don't have it in your life experience, it doesn't mean it's not possible. There's some things you've not yet tasted and there's some beauty in life that God wants to give you that will only happen if you have the courage to face up to the issue. Walk a process of healing, open yourself up, back, up, open yourself back up, um, and trust God to bring healthy people into your life that will love you in a way you've never been loved before. And again, send me an email, I'll send you that quote. I love how he says it. But I believe that for you that God wants to bring people into your life that you can do life with in a Christ-centered way that you're gonna go, wow, I didn't know these relationships could exist like that. And I have found that in people that I've gotten to know. And I love deeply those individuals and appreciate deeply sharing our lives together over the years. And just like they would jump in front of a bus for me, I would do the same for them because it's an amazing thing that God can do in our lives. It is. I promise you, if you've had a bad experience with people, don't give up. Confront it, deal with it. Because when you see it healed, it's amazing what God will bring your way, I'm telling you. And then for some, and I get this, well, I already have community. And I would only say this about that comment. I'll keep this relatively brief. I'm glad. Does that community look like this? Here's my chance, because sometimes we already have community, but, but there's a certain context of community that God designed. And, and here's, again, this is a simple sentence. It's not the end all to it, but just something I, I put down in my notes. An authentic Christ-centered community is marked by a mutual sharpening of faith together. Mutual sharpening of faith together through prayer, discussion of scripture, accountability, celebration, and serving one another. It's not the end all, but, but sometimes what we do, I have community, but the community is we watch football games together, but we don't do anything else really. We, we talk about the weather, we talk about life in general, but kind of on a surface level, but is there really a sharpening? Is there any level of honesty and accountability? Is there the celebration and the serving of one another? And I say it because again, community in our world can be so surface and I don't want you and I to get away with it because God has something deeper when we're willing to do it right. If you have it, I'm so glad, great. But if you don't, I wanna challenge you towards it. What we see depicted in scripture is beautiful. And, and Peter gives a whole sermon series in a couple of sentences that I wanna read and then I'm wrapping up here. In 1 Peter 2, verses nine through 10, he says this, but you, he's talking about the church, 
but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That's a whole series right there, honestly. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. The picture, to keep it simple, is this. The picture that Peter paints is that you and I are called to exist in such a way with others that follow Jesus that the world sees that kind of grace and love and commitment and accountability and challenge and goes, I want in. How do I get that? How do I live with that? And, and, and it, you go, well, we're meeting in homes. Nobody can see we're in homes. I'm not saying go meet on the front porch or in the driveway. I'm literally saying when you exist like that, it affects how you live at work, how you live when you're in your neighborhood, how you live in different places that you go. And there's something compelling about a beautiful picture like that. I love how a, a, a pastor who's now retired years ago wrote this in a book I studied and I never forgot it. His name is Stan Grenz and he says this, we are a pioneer community as a church. We're a pioneer community. You go, what does that mean? It means this, we're here now but only temporarily. We're headed towards eternity. But we're here now to show the world the loving devotion of Christ in one another. That that love should draw them into the family of Jesus. You and I are made for more than just attending. This is great. This is biblical. This is to sharpen and challenge and encourage and celebrate together Jesus. But we don't really build community in environments like this. And so as a church, we've been working hard, like I said, for the last stretch of time, how do we make sure there's room for people to get connected? So 25 life groups will launch in October. And there's some guys groups and gals groups, there's couples groups, younger groups, older groups. Uh, there's even a group uh, this year, and I love that we have it. Um, it's kind of a grief share environment, but it, it's, it's for uh, widows that have experienced loss the last stretch of time. And we've had uh, quite a few that have experienced the passing of a spouse. And so there's actually a group like that where, where and again, I know some have had, had some loss. That group, man, I'm excited to have it so that you can walk through some of that pain uh, and healing that you need. Uh, another environment that we have is called Foundations. And it's more of, you could so, sort of, it's more of a class. And it's gonna happen on Thursday nights. And I wanna encourage you, and we're gonna have this online as well as in person, but an environment where you walk through the, the 101 of our faith, the, the basics of our faith and, and, and kind of work on that foundation. And some of you that are maybe relatively new to Christ, you could use that. And so that's gonna be happening on Thursday nights and you can sign up for that. And then finally, we're gonna have an environment called Financial Peace University. And maybe you've heard of it, maybe not, but um, we're stewards of our resources, but there's a, uh, all kinds of stuff out there. One we appreciate a ton is Financial Peace. It helps you figure out how do I budget? How do I live? And especially for young people today in a world where the economy's kind of nuts and it's up and it's down and what's happening, all that stuff. Um, if you need help, again, you don't have to be a young person, uh, you know, whatever age, you need help figuring out your finances and how to be a steward that you're called to be. Financial peace is for you, and that's happening on Tuesday nights. So there's some things that we're offering. The reason I bring it up is because I want to challenge you to take a step today. And I want to pray, and I'm done, but um, when you leave here in our lobby is our hub, and Jen's out there with a couple of the host team members, and she would love to help you take a step. I know we talk about downloading the app, and you can sign up online on our, on our app or on uh, grove.church, but, but the challenge is this. We're not made to just exist by sitting. We're made for more. And I wanna challenge you to take steps of getting connected because that's honestly, that's how we're created to thrive.
Father, today, I pray that we would set aside excuses. I pray that we would be confronted if they really are excuses. I know life is busy, but I just pray for your spirit to work. I pray for some that need that healing, there's hurt, there's stuff. I pray that just like me, we can confront those things and navigate through them without living bitter, without unforgiveness, without, without the fear. I just circled, I'm comfortable here with, with this and my pets and my TV. That God, we, we break outside of that. I pray that, Father, we would open our hearts to the kind of community that you designed that we can thrive the way you want. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.